Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's the phrase? Not all heroes wear capes. Well, some, it turns out, sit and count trees. And that's what we're talking about this week. Trees, one man's controversial attempt to count them, and the fierce debate about how to save the world. If you're like me, you'll have a school-level understanding of science, and you'll remember lessons about trees being the lungs of the Earth. They absorb carbon dioxide, they release oxygen through photosynthesis. They're crucial to the health of the Earth. But until remarkably recently, no one knew with any confidence exactly how many trees there are, or were, or could be. And that's where our modern-day climate hero, Tom Crowther, comes in. I say hero, that does depend on who you talk to, but we'll get to that later. Tom Crowther is a young British ecologist, and five years ago, he published an article in a leading science journal, and it created a firestorm. Welcome to the Tortoise Podcast. I'm Basha Cummings, and this week I'm joined by my colleague Giles Wattell, also a journalist at Tortoise, and who for the last couple of months has been reporting on trees and Tom Crowther. So Giles, how many trees are there on planet Earth? It's a good question, and the truth is we still don't know for sure. But five years ago, we really didn't know, and now we have a better idea. And that's where Thomas Crowther comes in. How did he actually count the trees? It was really a job of persuasion. Until that point, all the scientific tree counting that had been done had been local and old-fashioned shoe leather counting, counting up trees, just none of them pulled together. One by one, he enlists individual scientists to share their data with him. And he gets data for a total of 430,000 hectares, less than Wales, equivalent to Rhode Island. But they're spread all over the planet, which is a good thing because they represent many, many different types of forest, densities of forest, types of tree. And then with the miracle of Google Earth, nearly 80,000 satellite photographs, he is able to match each of the parcels of land for which he does have data with forest types as seen from space. Dark green, let's, and it seems to be coniferous, let's match that up with all the other comparable ones all over the world and do the arithmetic. Once you've matched little parcels for which you do know a rough tree count with similar types of forest all over the world. And the results have been revolutionary, but they've also come in for a heck of a lot of criticism. 
In December, you went to visit him at his flash new lab in Zurich, named after him, the Crowther Lab. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. Sorry, nice to meet you. So what's he like? He's been described as the uber of his field. He's a lanky, 33-year-old, inexhaustible ecologist, completely fired up by his work, admired, adored even by the people who work for him. He's incredibly young considering the splash he's already made. And that in itself is unlikely because he's dyslexic. He never really excelled academically at school. He signed up for an ecology degree at Cardiff University with no great enthusiasm for study. He was much more interested as a student in playing tennis and football at Cardiff. As a result, he was described as disruptive even then, thrown off the course and taken on one side by a professor who sat him down with a beer and said, look, I know it hasn't been great this year, but I also know that you love sports and you're very competitive. Why not treat ecology as a sport? Basically, that's what he did. I love games and sports. I've, yeah, absolutely. I, even now, we, we play so many games. We spend hours of our, of our week playing games and, and engaging in competitive activities. So why and when trees specifically? So I started in Cardiff working on soil organisms. When I, when I moved to Yale for my postdoc, I was still working on these soil organisms, but I was sharing a house with a, a guy who worked for the Billion Tree Campaign. And they were trying to plant a billion trees to s- help the climate. The Nature Conservancy is working to restore the world's critical forests through our global Plant a Billion Trees campaign. Our goal is to plant one billion trees by 2025. But they didn't know sort of what the scale of the global forest system is. So they didn't know if a billion trees was going to have a big impact or a small impact. And he really asked a load of foresters in the department if they could help. And most of them said, that sounds like a crazy idea. And to be honest, it's it's counting the number of trees on earth doesn't even feel like a scientific challenge. And when he first came to me, I had the same reaction that this is not a scientific question. But it sparked some really interesting discussions. And we ended up thinking, how would you do that? And how would you build this global idea? So he counts. And it takes him about two years to get to a figure. And when he does land on a figure, it's enormous. So big that the number of trees we thought existed on Earth feel more like a rounding error in the new calculation. So, Giles, what what was the figure? Well, first, let's be clear about what people thought it was. The most frequently used estimate that people had come up with was less than half a trillion. Around 400 billion trees. Okay. And the new number? was 3.04 trillion. Blimey. I find I can't even imagine. It's a lot of trees. Now, there are more trees growing around the world than scientists thought. In fact, a whole lot more. According to a new report, there are more than 3 trillion trees on Earth. That's around eight times previous estimates. That's a three followed by 12 zeros. That's more than the number of stars in our galaxy and the number of cells in a human brain. That is incredible. Now, if this calculation is correct... Which I'm sure it is. Of course it is. I'm not going to check the numbers myself. The researchers came up with that number after getting up to 50 trees and saying, ah, screw it, there's probably three trillion. I mean, no one's really going to count. They didn't really catch on that. I don't know. I mean, three trillion. He published that in September 2015. And am I right in thinking that it goes as viral as something in the science community can go viral? 
and more so because this is trees, right? This is not, I don't know, mass spectrometry of something you don't understand. <laughs> so it was, all, it was Crowther's first exposure to the international media machine. And he's charmingly honest, really, about the shock that it was to the system. Interviewers lined up, one every 15 minutes for, for days on end. He's got an a number which is an order of magnitude bigger than the, than the previous one. And it changes everything. It recalibrates a whole branch of science in one go, assuming it's credible. Fast forward to July 2019. Crowther publishes another article, this time titled Global Tree Restoration Potential. And again, it goes viral. It gets featured in 700 newspapers around the world. Researchers in Switzerland are arguing that a massive global program of planting trees is the most effective weapon to counter climate change that is currently available. Although a trillion trees would cover the same land mass as the United States, researchers say, the Earth has well, plenty of... are saying it's probably closer to about a, a third, but that's mm. still a pretty decent amount. That may still be an optimistic number. But so let's remember that the 2015 article had said there are three trillion trees on Earth. Whole big new number. Now, the 2019 article maps the whole planet and comes up with three figures. One, for the amount of land available to grow trees on. Two, for the number of trees that can be grown on that land. And three, and perhaps most controversially, the amount of carbon that they can suck out of the atmosphere. So, Giles, Mm -hmm. listen to this. That's the sound of somebody planting a tree. And this is the sound of somebody planting a tree every second. Do you hear that? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got a question for you, Professor Giles. If you planted a tree every second, day and night, how long would it take you to plant a trillion? And to help you, I've got a pen and paper here, and I want you to try and work it out. Oh, my God, only a pen and paper. (laughs) So a trillion seconds? Yes. Oh my God. Okay, so it's 60 seconds per minute, 60 minutes per hour. So uh, 60 times 60 times 24 per day times 365. <laughs> so we got a number per year, but I have an awful feeling you already have the answer. Well, All right. Um, before I put you out of your misery, hmm. take a guess. To plant a trillion trees at one a second. Day and uh, night. Uh, 15 years. Okay, (laughs) a little bit out. It would take you, to be precise, 31,709 years for one person working day and night. And just to to check, on Giles' piece of paper, he had 60 times 60 times 24 times 365. So not not quite. No, but that brings you a number for one year. So we were were getting there. (laughs) But if it took 10 seconds and not one... That would be, that's more realistic. It's not going to take you a second to plant tree. It would take you 310,000 years. But nobody can realistically work day and night. So let's assume that the person is doing eight hours a day. That would be 930,000 years. But actually, then it starts to look doable. Because if you had 93,000 people on the job of planting the trees around the world, they could plant a trillion trees in 10 years. So 93,000 people working to plant trees. 10 years, we could do it. Entirely feasible. Two comments, if I may. Yes, please. Uh, Yes, entirely feasible if, as we need to, we reconceive the whole project as 
essential for the survival of the planet as we know it as a Manhattan-style project. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, and this is more important, is trees is what this planet does when left to its own devices. Tree growing, natural forestry, is planet Earth's default activity. Mm. And to be fair to Crowther, his big project is natural forest restoration. The quickest, easiest way of planting trees is to leave land alone where trees grow naturally. So yes, in my view, uh, we do need humans to, to get involved. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But the key thing is to leave nature alone. And that's why this is significant now. This is a question about what can be done to help mitigate the climate emergency and how we can use trees to help solve a problem. That's right. Their role in global climate as the lungs of the earth has been well understood. What Tom Crowther did with these two papers, but especially the second one, was to show the scale at which trees could be used as a climate mitigation strategy. In our normal communication, it's easier to provide context. And so when, when you say trees can be a really powerful climate change solution, you have the context of the conversation you're talking about, about the potential for carbon drawdown. But obviously when that is converted into a headline and then reiterated in 25 different headlines on the back of that, the context vanishes. And then the message becomes really erroneous. So in the aftermath of the paper, the Crowther and his colleagues had to contend with the a Twitter war in which their peers from other universities said the science was rubbish, others said the research was a waste of money, and that Crowther himself was the perfect example of white male privilege in science. One of the hardest things to do in science is to find the scientific questions that everybody wants to get at with simple approaches. And, you know, this is the type of question that people have been working on for decades with a range of really good and valuable and, and useful approaches. And using this very simple approach, we can provide 
a really nice new insight. And and I think part of the reason so many people were annoyed is that so many people could have done this. Anyone in the scientific community could do this. And and I understand the feeling when I see big science papers on my topic in ecology, I go, oh God, I could have done that. I could have done that better. And there is this feeling of frustration. And I think a lot of the backlash from scientists might be somehow related to that. But there was real excitement too, wasn't there? No question about it. Here was a scientist who, after a year of doom and gloom, of warnings that we were facing climate Armageddon, was saying that there was a science-based glimmer of hope based on something as friendly and beautiful and fragrant as a tree. And let's remember the number. 205 gigatons is between one and two-thirds of all the carbon released into the atmosphere by humans since the start of the industrial age. And this is really the optimistic bit. So Krauser's study showed us that there could be enough land available for planting trees or for reforestation to have a really big effect on our environment and our climate. But Giles, explain it to me. How does that actually work? So the first key finding was that there was oodles of land available for reforestation or tree planting. Now, Crowther would claim he's been misunderstood and he's really focused on the reforestation or the restoration of forest more than on tree planting. His study pointed to huge areas of land. For example, most of Madagascar, which is a huge island. Take another look at it. Most of eastern Brazil, before humans came along, the whole of Brazil was covered in forest and, and the eastern, the Atlantic rainforest in Brazil has suffered far more damage at human hands than the Amazon so far. 80% of it is gone. Now, you can look at that as a sign of the end of the world or as huge potential for forest restoration. In other parts of the world, southern Siberia, Canada, even, even Western Europe, forests are either regrowing naturally as a result of different uses of land or Crowther showed, claimed, that there was potential for them to do so. But you say claimed, and that's because, once again, there was a tremendous blowback against the research. Right. So one of the key criticisms was that his model, the Crowther computer model, had identified large areas of the planet as suitable for forest restoration, when in fact they were naturally grassland or savanna. If left alone, they wouldn't grow trees. Another major piece of criticism was that his figure, 205 gigatons of carbon, was wildly overstated. And a third is that if you grow a lot of dark coniferous trees, they make the planet darker. And if you think about a dark black road in hot weather, it gets all squidgy, it absorbs Ah. all the heat because it's dark. This is the albedo effect. And by growing huge amounts of coniferous forest in in northern latitudes, you might actually end up warming the earth instead of cooling it. So it's complicated. And on that basis, because of those three criticisms, Crowther and his team got it in the neck. I mean, before we did the study, we'd already considered all of these criticisms. They weren't a surprise. And I would say they're not really criticisms. They're just every study has strengths and limitations. And of course, some of them are reasonable limitations or reasonable considerations. When you publish in Science or Nature, I don't know, 50% of papers tend to get a technical response. But when you have a paper that is viewed then by hundreds of millions of people, 
the scale of that technical response just increases. And I think it was completely normal and valid scientific conversation. I mean, he's very candid about it. It was it was bruising. He was young and the people coming at him were by and large more experienced. They came at him with highly detailed technical responses, which were also published in science. But he's been very resilient as well. And you come back to this uh, competitiveness, this pep talk that he'd had way back in Cardiff when he was advised to treat it all as a sport. Now, his critics would say he's doing it just, he's brazening the whole thing out. They've, they've taken him to task on very specific pieces of science. And he said, you know, well, fair enough. I'll, I'll tweak the original paper, but my big point remains. And I think, I think it does. But this is a branch of science in which everybody's guessing. There are massive punts to be taken. If you're optimistic in several of your guesses, then of course you will come up with an optimistic final number. But the point that this guy made was everybody's guessing. So you can't just trash a piece of research on the basis of guesses that you happen to disagree with. Solving the climate crisis is the greatest and most complex challenge that Homo sapiens have ever faced. The main solution, however, is so simple that even a small child can understand it. We have to stop the emissions of greenhouse gases. Okay, but even if we planted one trillion trees, surely that's not enough. Don't we also need to be cutting our emissions? Absolutely. A lot of people, when this research came out, said it was just going to provide an excuse for people to stop cutting emissions. That was never the point, and it's certainly not what's needed. Job number one, in a sense, is stop emissions from industry, from transport. The key point is that even having done that, all the carbon that we've released into the atmosphere over the past 250 years will still be there, or a lot of it. We have to find a way to reduce that amount of carbon. You can do that with really, really expensive technologies, or you can do it with trees. And what next for Thomas Krauser, the rock star of climate science? He's really busy, and my hunch is that what he's doing is he's taking all the criticisms from his recent work and turning them around, a bit like Kung Fu Panda, into his own next project. So, to map the world ecologically. So they're counting the world's a population of earthworms, which is a sign of soil health, which is absolutely critical because soil contains 85% of all the carbon locked up in the world's biosphere. And what he's also doing is mapping the world's grasslands. And he got it in the neck for taking grasslands and putting it into his forest map and saying, well, we could grow forest in these grasslands. And actually, he seems to have taken on board that natural grasslands are natural grasslands, and so he's mapping them as well. So all of this is fascinating, but I think it leaves me with the question, OK, so what should I do? Should I go into my admittedly non-existent garden and plant a tree or go to my local park and start trying to plant my quota of 422 trees? Is that going to help? And if I do that, is that equal to me, for example, recycling more or not taking a flight when I next go on holiday. How, how should we practically interpret this for our everyday lives? By all means, plant a tree in your non-existent garden or find a local project that is planting trees in the park. Uh, there are apps, there are websites that can direct you to them where you can do the planting yourself. You can donate so that other people do. 
And then you will be making a contribution which is small but measurable, a bit like changing your diet so that you stop eating meat or eat it only once a week or not flying. But let's be under no illusion that if we want to use trees as a large-scale climate mitigation strategy, governments have to get involved and they have to change the status quo. Specifically, we have to find a way to save what remains of the world's great tropical rainforests in South America, in Africa and in Asia, and to restore those that have already been destroyed. And that will come down to financial incentives. It's been said before, but it's got to be said again louder because there is no two there are no two ways about it. Those trees sequester, suck up much more carbon than any other trees. And without them, we're stuffed. But what Crowther has shown is that the land may be available to use trees as our leading climate mitigation strategy. Nobody says it's going to be easy, but it is worth a try. Giles, thank you. Thank you. I think I'm off to plant a tree. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tortoise Podcast. We're a newsroom doing things differently. We look at what's driving the news, not breaking news. And in our app this week, we've been publishing a series of articles on trees, on Crowther, and you can download them by going to the Apple Store and trying our 30-day free trial. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.